you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there and welcome back into the OTI studio. Myself, Colin Kelly, back on the show yet again. Another show coming your way. Hopefully you're ready for some NFL listening in today's show. One that I'm very excited about. Uh, recorded this uh, about a week and a half ago with Matt Harmon. Uh, a lot of you'll know from his stuff now on NFL.com. Before that, Reception Reception. He's still got that going and now he has his own podcast as well, The Backyard Banter. Along with him, I had a very interesting conversation, you know, thought-provoking about the top 10 wide receivers in the game at the moment, heading into this 2016 season. Lots of different opinions between the two of us. Agreed on some, disagreed on some. So it'll be interesting to see if you all out there agree or disagree with our thoughts on this one. You can always tweet to me and him and uh, give us your thoughts on where we were right, where we were wrong. Hopefully we were right more times than wrong, but, you know, everyone has their opinion. And uh, you'll see in a moment that both of us varied on some of these uh, on our opinions, but... Great, great talk with him. Just prior to getting Matt on the show, I always like to uh, give a quick plug at the start for iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, all the ways you can listen to the, the show. And you can find them all at overtimeireland.com forward slash podcast. Uh, if you are listening to this now on your iTunes uh, account, if you're listening to it on your Stitcher account, please do take the time out after you're finished up listening to give us a comment and a rating on there. Keep helping moving us up those rankings. Keep helping us to grow as uh, both a podcast, as a, a voice in the NFL world. And uh, hopefully you'll continue to enjoy the product we put out over the rest of the offseason and into that 2016 season. Also happy to say that we're linking up with Sports Travel Tours and they have you covered for all your sport and travel needs from NFL to NHL, MLB, uh, the college football and of course the NBA and uh, any of the teams involved in them, any of the games. They can get you tickets to that, get you the transfer sorted out, uh, accommodation, airport, flights, everything. They'll get that sorted out. It is Travel for Sports Fans by Sports Fans, a fantastic company. Been going for over 18 years and uh, a company that I've known for quite some time but now this season we're linking up and of course you can have the of a lifetime over to the states if you want to save 10% off they're giving OTI listeners 10% off this coming season and all you have to do is when you're uh, checking out there at their site when you're about to pay it'll have an option for a discount code the discount code is OTI it doesn't get any easier than that OTI for Overtime Ireland and uh, save 10% off your trip so you know every little helps get yourself uh, a round of beers with your buds uh, and all that sort of good stuff uh, by saving that 10% and uh, of course that's sportstraveltours.com so, speaking of the 2016 season, it's time to get into who we think are the top 10 wide receivers in the National Football League. And to do that, I'm going to be joined by Matt Harmon. So, let's get straight into that. Hi, this is Ross Tucker, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Joined back on the podcast by Matt Harmon. I uh, mentioned in the intro there, obviously doing his work now with NFL.com. Signed on with the, uh, the big boys now, Matt. Uh, hope things are all going well for you over at uh, the big network. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a quieter time right yeah. now, of course. I'm, I'm doing a lot more. Like, I don't go into the office as much these days. Like, you know, in the season, it's, a, it's an everyday thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's good, though. You know, just cranking through draft stuff mostly right now. But um, it, it's all, all is well, my man. Yeah, and I, I also uh, plugged it when we were uh, just going at the start, talking about uh, obviously you're doing your own Backyard Banter podcast now. And I've been watching it recently, and it's something that some people maybe – that aren't involved in podcasts and aren't involved in writing or you know all the different examples you've had up regarding the nfl all the different guests i find it extremely interesting though because sometimes i hear, like i hear on a regular basis something that a guest says something that you say and i think yeah 
definitely I felt that way. I felt like, is this worth it when you're going through the regular season? I was doing two shows a week during the regular season, recording those, and I'm in Melbourne, so a huge time difference from any of the guys stateside that I was talking with, and you're getting up before work, and then you're editing it before work and posting it and tweeting it and so on. Sometimes you're thinking, is it all worth it? But then you're, you realize uh, at the end of the day, it's just you do it for the love of the, the, love of the sport. Yeah, I think it's really um, it's been a fun experience for me. The interest I was actually talking with uh, somebody about this today. The interest in the podcast has been a lot more than I thought. To be honest with you, like I really did think that it would mostly just be people that are interested in in writing or you know trying to like you know five or ten people that were are like interested in being football <laughs> analysts or whatever would really like it. But but people have definitely seemed to gravitate towards like good storytelling, and I think that's what the the guests have all really provided. I mean, yeah, the feedback in it's been it's been crazy for me, and I'm really enjoying it so far. So. Yeah, everybody should check it out. It's I I feel like I legitimately learn something, you know, new about yeah. the people or the industry like every time I record. So I think if I'm enjoying it other people will too. Yeah, I enjoy listening to obviously the things about uh, you know, developing in the industry, but I also enjoy listening to just life stories that, you know, you had on um Matthew Berry in your last one and I thought it was very interesting with some of the, the stories that he told because, you know, you think of him being at ESPN and all the stuff that he's done but it's a very normal everyman story when you hear how hard he's worked to get to that point. So definitely worth checking that out. On today's show, we have you here because you're the wide receiver expert uh, at this point in time. And we're going to talk about the top 10 NFL receivers in 2016, in our opinion. But uh, I, just before we get into that there, I wanted to talk about Josh Norman's top five list. Um, and obviously he thinks that uh, Kelvin Benjamin is a top five wide receiver going into this season and Odell Beckham Jr. is not maybe there's still some beef between those two guys yeah it sounds like that it is um I guess it was that that erupted it and like a little Twitter back and forth between the two of them which by the way like I think that that's great I think yeah, that no the problem league, with it. yeah I think that the league needs more rivalries like that um, obviously like their, you know, little interaction this year got a little aggressive and like that, <laughs> that's one, you know, and that's probably being generous, but, yeah. and so maybe that doesn't need to happen as much, but like guys that have beef and like, I dig that. And that's like, to me, that's part of why we watch the sport. Like, I don't need it to be like super, you know, I don't need a bunch of Russell Wilson's running around, yeah. like a bunch of corny dudes and all that. Like I like I like these guys that have a little bit of fire. So I think it's interesting. I think uh, Russell's getting targeted at the moment as he is the uh, prototypical guy. But a lot of the guys are trained from when they're uh, in high school, college, you know, to talk and very robotic, very, you know, basic answers and so on. Then when we see somebody like uh, Josh Norman saying stuff like this, you know, he's just probably having a bit of fun. He probably doesn't like Odell Beckham Jr. either. But if, uh, do you have... Uh, Kelvin Benjamin as a top 10 in your list? I, I do not. And it's actually funny because, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not He's not on my top 10 list and he wasn't really like a consideration yeah, to be one. Like mine either. Um, but I will say like it's kind of funny because and this just kind of goes to show, you know, I've been an, an analyst, quote unquote, like, you know, trying to be a, now I'm a professional like it's my job I guess but like really for the last like since that 2013 draft that was kind yeah. of my first draft class scouting uh no 2014 draft class sorry so it was funny because coming out of school I didn't like Kelvin Benjamin at all and like this just kind of goes to show like the the circular like nature of this stuff and like how things can come around and change and like so I didn't like him at all coming out of school and then now for some reason I find myself like in the dynasty community being like one of his biggest defenders like I and it's just really interesting like I don't think he's a top 10 receiver at all but I think that people really do undervalue him like some people have him as like a 30th or 40th ranked yeah. receiver in dynasty which seems crazy to me like 
you know, people think that Devin Funches is going to be better than him, which I think is just ins- like I think that's insane. Like, and I think that most people's my problem with it really is that I think most people's reasoning for it is kind of crazy. But that's another topic. But it's just kind of funny to show you how these things like can go on such a roller coaster ride with these players. And like, you know, two years ago, I didn't like the guy at all, and now I'm find myself like defending him on Twitter at least once a week. It all comes down to your value that you place on him versus the value of some other people. And I think with the year out, you know, I think he was if he if we if he hadn't got injured last year, fantasy wise in particular, I think he would have been much overdrafted because he was going to be the main wide receiver after Steve Smith had left and all the mm-hmm. news that was going on with the Panthers. He got injured early in training camp, and I think sometimes a year out of your memory drops you a lot out of people's minds. And I think this year he's going to be very undervalued. And I do think, particularly in dynasty, there is a, you know an opportunity there if you can acquire him at this point in time and it's just people's opinion over time will change and it's the same with somebody like Jordy Nelson has been out of people's minds for a long time but the fact is that the Packers struggled so much at the wide receiver position last year that he will be talked up again this offseason um we better get into our list anyway I just wanted to see if you had Benjamin on it he didn't get into my uh, honorable mentions either your honorable no. mentions starting off we're going to do this from 10 all the way up to one honorable mentions that didn't make the list Sure, I actually have three for honorable mention, yeah, and well. really, yeah. So the last one that I have on there was kind of like I I put him on there really just to kind of make a a point, right? And so it was Mike Evans was my third honorable mm-hmm. mention, and I really like you could kind of put like there's a really interesting. We were talking about this before we started recording. Like when I was putting together my top ten list, like something I was realizing was that like there. There's a lot of great wide receivers in the NFL, but it seems like there's more of like a really strong, thick, like middle class of guys that like I wouldn't put in my top 10, but are really quality receivers like Eric Decker, Michael Crabtree, Jeremy Macklin, um, Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper, maybe like some of these guys are very different points of their career. But like all of these guys are great receivers, but I wouldn't put them in the top 10 like that. So there's this really thick middle class, but like some of the guys that are right there for me and like could be top 10 receivers are those like younger especially from that 2014 class and i think like mike evans and sammy watkins are the two that that like headline that group for me of those young guys that could be top 10 and i put mike evans in over sammy watkins he's not in my honorable mention he's not in my top 10 okay and i think that mike like first I don't know. I still find myself preferring Evans over Watkins right now, and and I could be. I, and I'm open to that being wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like our my opinion changing this time next year. But I've actually been the last couple of days finishing up Mike Evans's reception perception for 2015, and I really think he actually honestly had a better year. Uh, from a technique standpoint, like as from a route running perspective and like con- getting consistently generating separation more. And he's still great at playing the ball in the air and in contested situations. So I actually think he was better in 2015 than he was as a rookie. I think we just, you know, the touchdowns are down. It was all the way down to three. There were more drops this year than usual. So I think he's kind of people think he had like some sort of sophomore slump. But to me, I don't really think so at all. And I think he actually could have a massive season next year, his third year, Jameis Winston's second year. So he's kind of right there at the end of my honorable mention list for that reason yeah he had obviously the drops you mentioned at one point in the season i think there was one game did he have 11 drops in one it was the giants i think he had a ton in that game so but a lot of people kind of that time were really down on him and i think you know if you're looking for value this year he had a lot of touchdowns and so on in his rookie year a lot of those he's very good at pushing off as he goes for the ball not getting penalized for it but i do think Mm -hmm. uh, i agree with everything you've said there you mentioned you had three uh, so i have jordy nelson in there i have mike evans and i have amari cooper um Mm -hmm. 
I also have Sammy Watkins was close to that list, but my main worry with Sammy Watkins is not only the injury side of it, is uh, the quarterback side of it, but uh, mm-hmm. who else had you in the honorable mentions? I had Josh Gordon, and I think that that was just pretty much like if, if Josh Gordon, I knew he was going to play. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I mean, obviously, if he's going to play, I mean, he's not even reinstated yet, so it's a super <laughs> hypothetical thing if he's even on the field. But really, like, so if he's on the field, then the question is, how in shape is he? You know, what what kind of like what kind of perspective is he going to have that sort of thing like but to me like when he's right and when he's at his peak and on playing on the field like he's a clear top 10 receiver talent to yep. me like i mean his his years at his peak really show that i mean he's a no doubt like one of the best receivers in the nfl when he's playing so i put him on my honorable mention list just to reflect that uh he's my first honorable mention my second honorable mention was demarius thomas and i know that's kind of controversial to yep. not have him in the top 10 but he's a guy that I do think is a player that he has very clear and bad weaknesses. Like, I mean, he he's never been a good route runner. He really runs like four routes. So the, the nine, the post, the slant, and the screen. And that's it. I mean, that's how he's – but that's not necessarily a negative. Like, yeah, I get – get, <laughs> Right. Yeah, he's, he's, he's so good at it. It's, it's what it, – like, he has what I like to call a trump card, you know, like – he runs poor routes. He doesn't consistently generate separation. But if you get him in space, you get the ball in his hands, like he can make dynamic plays. Yeah. He clearly makes up for his weaknesses with his strengths. So to I call him like a glorified role player, and I don't say that to like as a pejorative term. It just that's really what he is. He's he has a clear role and he's really good at it. But to me, I like a, if I'm picking a top ten receiver, I want the guy to be a little bit more well rounded. Yeah, and that's interesting because uh, I'll start off with my top ten first, and um, I, su- I suppose I meant to start, start the show by saying there's actually a Calvin Johnson size hole in this top ten list. So oh, I, I know. Some, yeah, <laughs> I was actually looking through some, you know, just for interest to see other people's top ten lists heading into the season, and there was a couple of them that had him in the, you know, the top five. There was actually one that I seen by a, a respected analyst who had him at number one, but that was obviously done, you know, in around February or the, the end of January. So it was interesting to see that, but there's a huge hole left by him. So uh, obviously he would have been in here if he was still playing yeah for sure that that was like right away started to make the list i'm like man i feel like i'm missing somebody yeah, that's that always there and then it's like oh right the yeah. guy that's not playing football anymore yeah so he's out and uh you mentioned demarius thomas you've gone through all the reasoning there for having him in the honorable mentions but not making the list he actually it was between him and uh, sammy watkins for that 10th spot in mine and just the uh although i'm not very confident with uh, demarius thomas's quarterback situation i just felt a little bit better about it because as you mentioned he does four or five things very well it doesn't really need a lot of uh, accuracy on deep passes and that he can take a lot of short stuff and go the distance with it so i've put in uh demarius thomas at the uh, the 10th spot who was your 10th uh my 10th was and this was like i said this was where it was difficult my 10th was alshon jeffrey um Chicago I think you know obviously when he's healthy and which was not a lot this year but he's 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 dominant at the catch point he's another one that's not like he's not the greatest route runner in the world he's not going to make a ton of people miss after the catch or anything but like what he's good at he's great at and I think that what he like when he was playing and you know and Jay Cutler was in there he was just dominating the target share for Chicago and they didn't have a ton of other options but I think that is indicative of what kind of player he is like he can be a a number a clear number one receiver when he's healthy so he was kind of my fringe 10th guy there yeah when you look at him as well just uh, when you're talking about him is there any wide receiver in the NFL now that Calvin's gone that can high point the ball uh, and a contested catch quite as well as Jeffrey 
Um, I mean, of the big guys, because mm. like, because Odell can do it, yeah. but he is obviously a little bit different with the size there. Uh, I mean, Fitzgerald is still up there at the catch point to me, yeah, like as one of the better, good. yeah, as one of the better guys in in that perspective. But yeah, Je- I mean, Jeffrey's just. It's not even that he's a great leaper either. He's just already he's just so big and physical. Like he's he's gonna win that fifty fifty ball. I think his contested catch conversion rating when I was charting him somewhere this this year was, you know, around like the ninety seventh percentile of yeah. guys I've I have. I mean, so that's clearly his strength. Yeah, very, very physical. My number nine is uh, Alan Robinson, a man I know that you like a lot and I've uh, slotted him in at number nine. I think there'll be some regression this year. I'd you mightn't agree with that but just based on what he did last year and I'm not Bartle's biggest fan uh, going mm-hmm. forward but uh, I do think you know such a tremendous playmaker and he had such uh, you know a breakout season last year and I think we'll see more of that going forward but just I think last season we may see some aggression going into 2016 but he was my number nine yeah I, I don't disagree with that either necessarily like from a statistical perspective yeah. I mean like he might you know 14 touchdowns is a lot yes. like he might never awesome. He might never score 14 touchdowns again and and that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily say anything about him as a player just the offense changing and I mean they obviously added another running back that's going to take some pass attempts away like you mentioned Bortles is is not as good as his numbers indicated last year at least not yet. Yeah. The one thing you could see I mean like R- Robinson well he, I mean he had a great season obviously like he still only caught 53% of his targets like so in some way I think that he could you know maybe not make as many big plays but maybe catch more passes this year if Bortles does take a step forward and like he won't be the same fantasy receiver but you could see his you know sort of develop in other areas as well so I don't hate that and he's actually my number eight so he's not far you know I don't have him number one shocker (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was that's the big reveal I thought he was your number one yeah, well, that would have been quite a hot take to, to yeah. bring on the podcast. So, yeah. Um, but actually, my number nine was Brandon Marshall, who yeah. I actually think is a super comparable player to Allen Robinson. I think the two of them. Um, Marshall's better right now after the catch and has been his throughout his career. Um, but he that could be some that's something where Robinson kind of started to develop at the end of the season. So I see those two as kind of super comparable players. And Marshall is another one that. You talk about guys being physical at the catch point and like just overpowering people. He's that type of guy. He really is like, it's just crazy how like he's still, I mean, he's only 30. Is he 31 or is yeah, he 30? Yeah, he seems a lot older. Yeah, it seems yeah. like he's been around forever, but I think he was super, like Robinson was super young when yeah. he came into the league. But it's crazy how good he still is. I mean, he was excellent this year. I think too, when you, the one thing concerned me, he didn't make my list, but the one thing did concern me is just, with the age, and I know that's not something right. that probably should have knocked him off, but he was incredibly force-fed the ball last season while he was uh, in New York. Um, you know, the target mm-hmm. share was just basically him, Jeffrey, and nobody else, or him, uh, Decker, and nobody else, and just the uh, the percentage of that market share that he got. I think uh, it might regress this year, and I know we're looking at this from a reality point rather than a, a fantasy point, but the quarterback situation still not confirmed with uh, what will happen true. there. So that there can uh, mix things up a little bit depending mm-hmm. on who's the quarterback. But I think last season in particular, he had a, a phenomenal season change in teams. A lot of the time, I talked uh, recently with a few different people on the podcast about players when they move teams in free agency or in, the, you know, in a trade. And a lot of times when you move at a skill position, you do not uh, have the same effect that you had maybe on your previous team because you were used to the scheme, the relationship with the quarterback and so on. But uh, he fitted in so, so well last year in New York. So I think for him, it's vitally important that Dick Fitzpatrick back because I think they had a, a great rapport and Fitzpatrick certainly wasn't afraid to throw it his way. And particularly, you mentioned in contested catches. Yeah, I mean, I'm really a big fan of Marshall, and and I think he could have that drop off. Like we've seen that, that's how he 
that's kind of how he does things. Yeah. Like he starts off real hot with the team, and yeah, he's, he's been kind of an out. Yeah. yeah, he's been kind of an outlier. Like you mentioned, normally skill position guys don't have great years when they move teams, but he's been that guy that always has. Like he, his first year in Chicago was great. His first year in Miami was great, but then you see him kind of start to tail off the longer he was there. Whether that was off field stuff or his own, you know, play, I think that that's something we got to watch out for this year uh it was he was just like too good last year not to put on my list yeah so there was there was a lot of concern this last year with the bears you know he was getting more into the media side of things and a lot more tv work but last year that certainly didn't have an effect and i guess i said about changing teams and how it affects players from time to time uh, he has plenty of experience of changing teams so i guess that that doesn't worry him from that side yeah. of either. but uh my number eight uh, you've mentioned him already was uh, alshon jeffrey and uh on to the number seven spot and somebody who last season was having a terrific season had a good good rookie year uh, very very one of the better rookie years actually up until we seen the uh, all-dominant class in 2014 was uh, Keenan Allen and he had a down year in his sophomore season and he had a very very nice year last year up until he had an injury which I think was it a spleen or his liver yeah it was like a, a lacerated spleen yeah it was one of a strange injury but it's not one of those you know tissue injuries or uh, you know coming off an ACL or something so he should come back at 100% and I thought just uh, he was really really dominant uh, last season at the point that he went down I think he may have been leading the league in uh, catches at that point and uh, I just mm-hmm. think we'll see the same from him again this year because him and Philip Rivers have a, a tremendous rapport between the two yeah, I should have had Keenan Allen probably in my honorable mention. I don't have him on my list at all, and that was that was one that I really did struggle with a lot because um, I love Keenan Allen. I'm a big fan. I thought he was crazy polished as a rookie. Like before Amari Cooper was like this freakishly good route runner as a rookie, there was Keenan Allen who was that way, and he's still. I mean, you, he's still that player. The reason I didn't have him on my list at all, um, if I could just speak to my perspective, yep. like for one, obviously, you know, he's. He had that great rookie year. He had kind of a slower sophomore year, and then he has a half season his third year. So for me, like I think we haven't seen him put together like a complete dominant season, yeah. and that's not normally something I knock players on. Um, but I do think like even at his best, I, I like I don't know. I kind of think I I kind of wonder like is he like a true number one receiver in the general sense of the word? Like I feel like all my all my guys on my top ten like could be a team's top receiver no matter where you put them. Yeah. Uh, and, like, Allen's the number one receiver in San Diego. And, like, he commands a ton of targets, and he's great at, like, running routes. He's great in the, like, short to intermediate game. But he's not necessarily, like, a guy that's going to take the top off the defense either. So I love Allen. I just – and he probably should have been in my honorable mentions, but that's that's just kind of some of my reasoning why he wasn't there. No, I agree 100%. That was one of the reasons that I, I had him – at one point I had him uh, lower and I've moved him up but I think he's he's not that guy you're not really going to put him on the outside and expect him to burn past defenders but I think just uh, if he's going to cross the middle and he's just very good in the contested catch area I like players who you know when there is pressure on them they can make those catches and I think he, he fits in well there but I very well, very much agree with those points that you made too who uh, hit your number seven spot yeah, I have AJ Green. Um, yeah, we're and close on this. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like. So I remember doing this sort of list last year, and it's just it gets more and more difficult the more good receivers we get into the NFL. And he's always been kind of in that six to seven spot for yeah. me. Um, it's interesting this year too. Like I think you know if you look at it, the last two years with him, like especially this season, the way that the and I said this a lot about the Bengals offense during the season was that. You know, they had a ton of great options, obviously. I mean, they had, you know, A.J. Green's a stud number one receiver in the league. Tyler Eifert, 
breaking out as a tight end, probably one of the you know top five tight end in the yeah. NFL right now. And Marvin Jones and, and Muhammad Sanu and like those are you know they're they're good role players, and obviously both those guys are gone now. Um, but they also have pass catching running back. They also have Jeremy Hill, who isn't very good, I don't think. <laughs> but they but they want to establish the run with him. Yeah. Meanwhile, so they have all these great options. Um, but they have Andy Dalton, a quarterback, and while Andy Dalton is a solid quarterback at at worst, yeah. um, he's not 2013 Peyton Manning where like he's going to make all tides rise at every point. So now it's interesting with Jones and Sanu out of the mix. I think that we could see Green, you know, because there were weeks this year where he kind of had like four for 60 or something. It was like a disappointment in fantasy. He only finished the year with 132 targets, which yeah. is pretty low among some of these other guys we're talking about. I wonder if we could see like him have sort of, a you know, a 2013 season where he had 178 targets. He really would dominate more of the target share. So that's something to, that I'm really interested to kind of project for green this year like i think he could have one of his best seasons this year yeah and you know consistency i was going to say that you know you mentioned those lower yardage games but that i think sometimes is down to who he has a quarterback as well but if you look at his career yeah. like last season he had 77 receptions 1200 yards uh, eight tds but over his career that's his fifth straight year with a thousand yards a minimum of a thousand yards third with more than 1200 so he's uh, okay. you know he's just so so consistent and he has a player sometimes i think he could try a little bit harder on certain catches. I don't think, you know, he goes all out in certain plays, but over the course of a season, his consistency level and his athletic ability can't be uh, really questioned. And uh, he's my number six, so I guess I'll let you go on to your number six. Yeah, so my number six is Jordy Nelson. Obviously, he missed the year last year, and that's, you know, it stinks. But to me, he was, he, uh, I think Chris we Chris Wessling always says, like, you know, he has, like, a litmus test for, like, of uh, the player that's a litmus test for, like, who's actually watching the games. Yeah. And Jordan, like, whether you, how good you think they are, like, is very much, like, indicative of how much, like, film study or how much time you're putting into to watching the game. And Jordy Nelson was that wide receiver for years. Um, I think finally in 2014, people really started to recognize how good he was. Yeah. He's actually the first player that I ever did, like, ever published a reception perception article on. Okay. And that was prior to the 2014 season. And where I was saying, like, this guy, like I was saying then, he was a clear top five receiver. Um, he's more athletic than he gets credit for because he's white, of course. Yeah. Um, and I feel comfortable saying that. But uh, <laughs> I think – so he doesn't get really as much credit. Like, he's not – in, but he's not incredibly athletic. He's just more than people think he is. Like, yeah. he, so this is interesting. He got brought up a lot today with Laquan Treadwell's forty time coming out. Like, he's got he ran like a four five one, which isn't bad at his size. But like, it also illustrates like he's one of the NFL's best deep threats when he's healthy. Yeah. and it's because he's in, like an incredibly nuanced route runner. It kind of reminds people that you can be a deep threat without necessarily having like Mike Wallace or Devin Smith speed, you know? And I think that's something that's interesting with him because, you know, we're coming back. He's older now. I think he's thir either 31 or he's 30, 32. He'll be 31. Like, oh, he's 31. Okay. Well, either way, he's, he's obviously getting older. Now he's coming off a major injury. So you kind of have to wonder like, is, is the cliff coming soon for him? But I do think that that, route running ability and that polish is going to make him the type of receiver that even as he loses some of that athleticism and, and isn't as much of a deep threat he could still be an elite possession receiver for the next you know maybe three years or something like that and so I, I think he's clearly still one of the best receivers in the NFL I mean we saw he's one of those players like 
you know, uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And yep. when he was gone this year, it was just a nightmare for the Packers offense. And that probably wasn't a hundred percent on him, but I think that that's a lot of it was because they were missing what was a legitimate, you know, number one receiver in the NFL. So I, I've always been a huge fan of Jordy, and I think that he's gonna. I think he can. He has the type of game that he can still be productive as he gets older. Yeah, and I think you mentioned there, you know, change to his game. I think he's one of those players who could do a similar role to what uh, Larry Fitzgerald has done over the last couple of years you know more of a possession guy and I'm a Packers fan so I think one of the reasons I probably have him on the honorable mentions rather than in the list is because I didn't want to be seen as a, a huge homer going for putting Jordy in there but as a Packers uh-huh. fan he's uh, he's my favorite player off the on the offensive side and last year we just seen what the situation was when he wasn't in there so such a so talented and you mentioned the the white receiver thing i think eric decker sometimes suffers from that as well but uh oh yes i wish i i wish i could have put eric decker as my number one receiver on this list just to prove a point just to annoy people <laughs> just to be annoying but, so uh, yeah. um, go into number five now it'll be interesting to see what way i think we'll probably have the same five guys we maybe there will mm-hmm. be a surprise in here but i'll let you go first with uh your number five yeah so i have des here at five okay. um and i think that it's really interesting because he's another one, like I mentioned, with A.J. Green. Like, he's ne- – Dallas for some reason, and maybe this isn't surprising considering that they're Dallas. Like, I, they've never really, like, featured him even though he's clear – like, he's – most of his fantasy production has always been because he's been an elite touchdown scorer. Yeah. You know, his – from 2012 to 2014, he had 12, 13, then 16 touchdowns. Um, but – Prior to like, he's never gone over 160 targets in a season. And all these other guys that we're talking about, you know, the Demarius Thomases, the uh, you know, the Julio Jones, the the Antonio Browns, like all these best receivers in the NFL, like they routinely like Brown and Jones pushed 200 targets this yeah. year. Like they they were insanely heavily targeted. You know, obviously last year is different because they had a nightmare situation at quarterback, and Dez was not himself either. But even going back a few years, like Dallas has never. You know, I if if you follow me on Twitter during fantasy season or during the football season, like you'll know I'm always talking about you know hashtag just throw it to your good players. Like it doesn't <laughs> have you know it doesn't have to be that hard. And like yeah. I feel like you know it, they've just the the Cowboys make it more difficult on themselves because like oh we got to get targets to you know Jason Witten and Terrence, Terrence Williams. Williams yeah. It's like oh my god, just just feed the ball to Dez. And so to me, I still think he's one of the like obviously last year was down year for a number of different reasons, his own health included, but I think that he's still like I said, an elite red zone weapon, I think a total stud there, so yeah to me he's 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 my five yeah, when you go through the the stats for his touchdowns over the last three or four years, well obviously discounting last season so he's just a freak in the uh, freak in the red zone in particular uh, mines here is uh, DeAndre Hopkins at number five. Uh, concerned again about the how he'll fit in with Brock Osweiler as the quarterback it'll be interesting to see how they link up but I think he proved last season that no matter who his quarterback is I think me or you could go in there and he'll still be able to catch balls from pretty much anybody um just a, a freakish talent uh, some of the catches he can make the ability to, to high point the ball as well I just think that he's a phenomenal talent and so young as well going into his it's his third year now going into the league is it maybe four it's fourth year yeah last so year. he started off with uh uh, Andre Johnson and he's you know developed the all the way through I think you mentioned earlier your list of uh, people who can be definite number ones in the NFL I think he's uh, proven that he can be that man yeah for sure I I love Hopkins I, I he's actually my he's my uh he's my four so oh, well, Dez was my four yeah. so <laughs> there <laughs> you go we are we're pretty close on this um other than a few outliers but yeah the so the interesting thing with Hopkins like 
like, you know, he caught over 100 passes this year. He was targeted 192 times, scored 11 touchdowns. But if you look at his game log, he was actually much more productive and much more just like force. You know, I never want to say force fed because I just said, like, I'm a big fan of, you know, just throwing it to your good players. But all his outrageously productive games were early in the season, like when he was just very heavily featured, you know, from weeks three to week six i think he had 14 22 14 15 targets a game like he was just they were just consistently just pummeling him with targets which was fine but you also have to remember then that was when they were really bad and then when the texans got like their defense started playing well um their running game kind of started to shape up overall when they were a better team that eventually made a playoff push hopkins was still a clear number one receiver but he also wasn't busting the stats sheet every week you know he was having some you know there were some like eight for 94 games seven for one 17 and a touchdown like he only scored twice from week 11 on and again i don't like that doesn't necessarily say anything about him as a player so just disclaimer i'm not like disparaging him but i'm also just you know as a fantasy analyst that's something i'm going to be looking at this year like if they can we really expect him to have like you know top five wide receiver numbers throughout his career especially with that because i think that is the thing that people will say is like well if he did that with this quarterback he can do it with any quarterback and while i think that he is a great player independent of his passers like that's no question his production could have been more inflated earlier in the year because they were a bad team. You know, they were always behind and, and he was getting pummeled with targets because of that. I, I, as for him as a player, like he is the perfect example of, you know, a mediocre athlete that gets the best out of every bit of his physical tools. Like he doesn't have one outrageous physical trait, but he's dominant at the catch point i mean he's probably has one of the some of the best body control in the nfl like to be able to hover in the air or air and uh you know contort his body and win a pass that's contested by a defender he's great at that he's you know and that so that just kind of if you cut like again i took talking about treadwell today he's a guy that if he follows along the the prospects will want to follow along that nuke path you know even if they don't have elite athleticism you can polish your game to a point where you become a top five receiver in the nfl based on based on that more so than your physical gifts or whatever so he's a really interesting case study right now because he's clearly one of the best receivers in the nfl but the some of the stats might not show it next year and then people might want to talk down on him or whatever so it's just gonna be an interesting he's gonna be an interesting player to track yeah, he seems to be one of those guys too off the field. Just from what I've heard of him, that he's one of the, he, you know studies the craft and you know learns more intricate bits off right running and so on as he goes forward. You get a lot of players hit the league. Uh, Ruben Randall might be one of those guys that yeah. you know get in and they have all the ability in the world, but they're just going to try and coast by on their ability. And you don't get to that top tier of NFL wide receiver or any position in the NFL in general without putting in all that extra work off the field. So I think yeah, uh, and it, it's about being hyper competitive. And like yeah. we joke about you know narrative stuff and like you know, oh yeah you know this or that or like typical scouting terms but being competitive matters and you can see it with him like remember like hard knocks this year like when uh he went up against d'angelo hall and like was you know was i mean talking like like when he broke like literally like almost broke his ankles on the yeah. pri- i think he did actually literally break his ankles <laughs> on the you know or he got he injured him somehow like when he went up together yeah. like went up against him and toasted him and then like at the whole time just come you know talking trash to him and like just you know in a practice sort of yeah. setting and like was you know he, looked, he sounded like an, you know, almost like crazy which i think you kind of have to be a little unhinged to to play football oh, and definitely. be great at it <laughs> and uh yeah so i think that's something that's really important like 
you clearly he's he's in there working hard and, and he's making the best out of what he's got and you can see that the product is is quite good and uh heading into the season as well he's uh he's going to be turning 24 on the 6th of june so that makes us all feel a little bit old uh, he's gonna be 24 heading into the season so lots of room to grow there'll be some of the yeah, guys right. coming, some My of the guys come, yeah some of the guys coming out in the the draft now is uh, they're going to actually be some of them will be close to that age or older so uh very very talented and very very young so there's lots of room to grow for him as well number three for me is odell beckham jr um i think over the last couple of years we've kind of come everyone at this stage pretty much knows the reasons why he would be this high on the list just um his his hands in particular uh pretty much impeccable not many better and the i don't think there's anyone better the only one probably that i would put close to him and he's not on my list at all is larry fitzgerald just for hands and uh, consistency with his catches uh right running as well just he's he's not the biggest guy but he's uh you know very competitive at the catch point as well um odell beckham being my third i think this year as well looks like he's gonna have less targets around him in new york he'll get more of the ball again than he's got over the last two seasons um who's your number three has odell gone higher than that or is he your number three yeah odell's my two and julio jones is my three okay um and so i'll just speak on jones first and then i'll talk i'll I'll talk about beckham like so jones to me and i know a lot of people will will probably have him higher and some even might have him at number one and i guess i can understand that some people might have him at number one (laughs) (laughs) i was wondering if if that might be someone i'm talking to but so just the thing the thing with jones for me and this might be just a general bias considering the way that i watch receivers like i watch them on a route to route basis and like reception perception definitely scores you know elite route runners better than others because they get open more often i mean but and that's not to say that julio jones has has trouble with separating that's clearly not true um the one thing to me is i do think that he because he is probably now that calvin johnson is retired you know he's the staple for like freak at wide at the wide receiver position you know he's six three over 220 pounds like but moves at just an unfair advantage like he's one of the best athletes at receiver right now in my opinion uh he's the best to me obviously I, two of the other guys i have ahead of him are smaller he's the best big receiver yeah. in the nfl so one so his advantages are clear but i also think that like he can he's not he's not as strong of a route runner as some of these other guys i mean he gets away with that obviously because he's super gifted but at the same time i do think that you know you, you see that manifest itself sometimes like he'll He'll let an easy pass get away or, or he'll run a sloppy slant route that hurts, you know, this hurts the offense and everything. And like I said, it's, it's not a big deal. We're nitpicking here in the top three. I mean, he's yeah. an elite player. But so that's why he's three to me and the other two guys are ahead of him. For Beckham, who is my number two, uh, he like and talk about a route running perspective. It's funny because obviously we know he is now we know that he has become an elite receiver he's one of the best in the nfl i wouldn't i would he's another one if you had him at one i wouldn't argue with that at all um and like he's a clear cut like the the top asset in dynasty fantasy football right now because he's super he's still super young and he's one of the best players in his position which happens to be the most valuable position in fantasy football uh, especially in dynasty over the long term so I, the thing with Beckham, like it's funny looking back on his. I mean, like I mentioned, he's become this elite player, but looking back on who he was coming out of school, and why he got on the field, you know, right away, even though he missed all of training camp, all of preseason, and, and early parts of the regular season, he got on the field right away and made an impact 
because he was an elite route runner in college. I mean, he was the staple of good route running. Dave, Dave Gettleman, the Carolina Panthers general manager, even after the draft is over. So with real no, no real motivation to say this, you know, when asked about Kelvin Benjamin, he somehow directed the, the conversation. He's like, oh, yeah, Odell Beckham was the best route runner coming out, like one of the best route runners I've ever seen coming out of college. And so and he's still so he was that player all of the time. Like even back at LSU, he ran very polished routes and he just has an, an but he's super athletic and so he's not a guy like a like sterling shepherd's a guy that i talk i kind of compare that sort of storyline but he doesn't but shepherd doesn't have odell beckham's elite athleticism like he his the way he's is flexible with his hips and can adjust his body it's just unfair you know and the agility and all that sort of stuff so that's how he's he's combined pretty much like elite athleticism with elite polish and no kidding you get one of the best receivers in the nfl and he's also like you mentioned he's great at winning contested catches despite the fact that he's 510 so he's pretty much like the poster boy of small receiver the small receiver archetype, like the ceiling of that, you know, like this is the player that you carve out of stone. If you're a small receiver and you want to become great at the NFL level. Um, and he also have, you know, he's a diva too, which is great because I think a lot of these guys on this list, we've talked about like, yeah, wide you know, receivers, not, yeah. yeah, they're, 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 they're all, they're, there's a lot of divas, but I also think there was kind of a shortage of that after we had like T.O. and Randy Moss and like all these <laughs> nut cases for a yeah. while ruling the roost now we have beckham and i like i said at the top i find that to be a more enjoyable brand of the game when these guys are a little weird and beckham seems like he's a little bit of a weird guy but like he is the i mean he's just he's incredible like he's a gift he's really is like a gift to watching wide receivers he's a he's a, he's a treat to watch yeah you mentioned the right running sometimes when i watch him going in and out of breaks i I just sometimes I can't really grasp how his hips actually can turn in those motions. It just seems to be unfair on on defensive backs trying to cover him. And uh, you mentioned earlier about when we talked about Josh Norman, the the little spat they had last year. Well, uh, we'll not hold that against him. And obviously, uh, very very highly rated by everyone around the game heading into this season. Um, you mentioned Julio Jones was your number three. Julio Jones is my number one, and the obviously your number one. I would imagine is going to be Antonio Brown. Is that correct? <laughs> uh correct yeah. so actually no it's Stephen hill yeah between between uh, julio jones and antonio Bryan, it was really a toss-up for me and i just i like to have uh the slightly bigger guy and the you know if it's a one-on-one situation but i can I, either way i would uh wouldn't have any problem with it i i I actually had them swing the other way up until uh, not long before we'd done this here. So I, I see them as kind of 1A and 1B, and then Odell Beckham's just along with those guys. Um, but Julio, for me, uh, last year he had seven touchdowns, had 118 receptions, 1,500 yards. And I think his reception, or his touchdowns uh, should go up this coming season because so many, i never seen a team turn the ball over in the red zone as much as the Atlanta Falcons done last year, whether it was botched handoffs, botched snaps, or just uh, badly thrown interceptions by Matt Ryan. I think uh, going into this season, I expect that number to rise. So I think it will give him, if you're looking fantasy-wise, it'll give him a lot more value this season. But I just think with the ability he has, with uh, the system that he's going to be in, and I think they're going to force-feed him the ball again. I just I, I know what you're saying about sometimes just doesn't seem to uh, be 100% switched on, but uh, 90% switched on is uh, pretty damn good. And uh, that's why I have Julio at the number one. Uh, I'll let you do the talking on Antonio Brown because uh, I think uh, everyone has no problem with him at number one either. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown to me is uh, like I think he's clearly the best receiver in the NFL. Like I said, I'll I'll take arguments for Jones and I'll take yeah. arguments for Beckham, but for me, like just everything Brown, Brown does everything 
at an at a an elite level consistently on a route to route basis. I mean, he's always open. He's always career. I mean, not always, but I mean, like last nearly year, always. yeah, nearly <laughs> always. You know, he had he so last year, 2014, not 2015. Yeah. All the, of all the guys I charted for reception perception, then Brown was second in success rate versus man coverage, only behind Odell Beckham. And uh, he, but he, success rate versus zone coverage and press coverage, he like blew everybody away. I mean, was clearly always defeating the like his success rate versus zone coverage. I think was almost 10 percentage points higher than the next highest guy. So that just shows you how good he is. And I mean, he runs the full route tree. He does everything really well from that perspective. He's you know, and he's. He's a self-made guy, you know, like he was a sixth round pick and he's another example of not super athletic. Like if you go on mockdraftable.com and you see all the athleticism webs, Browns is like this teeny tiny little <laughs> thing that, you know, he's made it. He's, and he's another guy that has made the most out of what he has limited physical yeah. gifts by being incredibly polished and nuanced. But he's also great at the catch point. He he's not he does not play like a small receiver. And he also makes he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. I mean, that's really how we kind of first got to know him was through that skill. So to me, he checks all the boxes and like what like what he was producing last year when Ben Roethlisberger was in there was just outrageous. And I, I think that's one thing that some people do hold against him. Like they'll show the splits of what he produces when Ben's in there versus what he produces when he doesn't. But like there was some awful quarterback play without Roethlisberger yeah. last last year. I mean, you know, some people will point to Dez and all that. Like I would take Brandon Whedon over, you know, what <laughs> over whatever Michael Vick was last year, you know? So to me, Brown's just, you know, like I said, he's a consummate professional. Like everything he does is, is, is great, but he also has more than enough dynamicism to make up for it. Like it was a hot, like a hall of fame type of pace that he had last year. And I think that we should expect that to continue this year, especially without Martavis Bryant in the picture. Yeah. I think with the ball in his hands, I think there's nobody better in the NFL, uh, you know, making players miss even on, you know, he still does return duties from time to time from punt returns and kick returns. And we've seen uh, again last season, how athletic he is from that perspective. Uh, just, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep uh, Ben a hundred percent healthy all season long this year, because I know how you mentioned when Vic was in there, but some of the play call when Vic was in, uh, in them games last season was absolutely bizarre to say the least. And I think if you keep big Ben healthy and keep him going, and um, if you keep Le'Veon Bell going as well, I think you know he could be on pace this season. To <laughs> he's already breaking records, uh, he'll be breaking his own records again moving forward. I think as well, but uh, absolutely no issues with him being uh, number one. And as I said, he was probably going to be my number one as well. But I thought we'd uh, make it a little bit more interesting, have some different opinions. But uh, it's been a lot of fun running through that top ten list with you, Matt. And uh, I really appreciate the time. Obviously, jumping aboard the show. I mentioned at the start the backyard ba- banter podcast. Definitely check that out and everyone should already be following you on twitter to get the reception perception but uh, anything else you've got coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks or months that you want to give a, a plug to while you're on yeah pretty much just doing different episodes of the podcast um kind of trying to make the rounds i had liz loza on and recorded her episode today so that was great and you know get a different you know female perspective yeah, yeah. a whole a whole new thing for us on the backyard banter podcast and uh so that was good, and yeah, I mean, I got a lot of interesting guests lined up, uh, and with so that'll be great. Going to pretty much probably do that two episodes a week throughout the off season, and we'll probably taper off during the regular season. And yeah, reception perception content uh, will be you know fast and furious, especially trying to get as many. I have obviously all the results for all the prospects are up on my website, but I'm going to try to you know hammer out some individual profiles as yeah. well, just to dive a little deeper on these guys. And you know, after the draft is over, then it's full nfl charting away and uh like i said 
full steam ahead, hopefully releasing a, a publication about the results in the in kind of the middle of the summer before the you know before the guys go back to training camp so we can study up for the season. Yeah, and as I always say, the best place now with social media. Uh, that's the advantage of Twitter is uh, you can find all this stuff in one handy spot so it's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB that's BYB for Backyard Banter and uh, of course uh, Matt until next time thanks for jumping aboard yeah my pleasure man this is great I really enjoyed it hi I'm Chris Harris of the Harris Football Podcast and you are listening to Overtime Ireland once again, thanks to Matt for jumping aboard the show. I mentioned follow him on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Check out the Backyard Banter podcast as well. And uh, lots of different varying opinions. Give us your thoughts on Twitter. Hit us with a tweet and say uh, if you agreed with us, where you thought we were wrong, so on and so forth. It's always great getting the feedback, getting the interaction going on the Twitter account. Our Twitter account is at Overtime Ireland, of course. Make sure you're following us on there. And uh, continue. Give us a little tweet out. Tell people to listen into the show. Keep spreading the word because as an independent show being basically run produced and organized everything by myself a one-man band i think i probably deserve a title like that but doing everything behind the scenes and trying to get it moving forward and as i've mentioned on a few shows uh, there may be another man or two jumping aboard the scene and helping uh, grow the oti podcast and uh, moving forward we may have a co-host and so on and so forth but stay tuned to uh, add overtime ireland and of course to the podcast and you'll find out a lot more about that in the coming weeks and months as we get towards the new season so with those uh, shameless plugs out of the way of course all that's left for me to say is my name's colin kelly and until the next one have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.